once we can get the hormonal piece under control, uh, really incorporating the, the menstrual cycle and using that as your superpower is going to be a game changer for you. Because I know in, in a lot of women, you know, right now, especially if they're suffering, they're probably seeing their menstrual cycle as like a curse, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, especially once you work on those hormonal imbalances, get yourself feeling better, then you can actually turn that around and use it as your superpower. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. This is episode 240. And today we're actually talking about something super interesting. We're going to go into the nuances of estrogen. And estrogen is one of those hormones that is sort of synonymous with femininity, but that's always been the 30,000 foot level. And while every human has estrogen, in particular, when we start to talk about women and we go closer and closer to the ground, we realize that what seems like a simple and emblematic hormone for, for females is actually infinitely more complex. And what we're seeing over time is increased interference from our environment and increased understanding internally within our environment around the roles that estrogen play, the different types of estrogen. Yep, there's more than one that we have in our system. And what the breakdown products of estrogen have the capacity to contribute towards in terms of health, sometimes good, sometimes bad. This whole episode is about estrogen, how we need to handle it, how we can harness it, and everything you need to know to make it your friend. For this episode, I am joined by Kate Vasquez. Kate is an expert in estrogen dominance. She has so much to say on the topic. I can't wait for us to jump in. Kate Vasquez, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Hi, Megan. I'm so blessed and honored to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I want to also acknowledge that when I said anthropology, I hesitated there for a second. Like I drew, literally drew a blank on what podcast I was recording. We're 240 episodes in. So I don't know, maybe that, maybe that is, I like, maybe that's a symptom of estrogen dominance, which is what we are talking about today. And First of all, I just want everyone to know who's like, "Mm, estrogen dominance doesn't relate to me. If you are a human, you have estrogen in your body. And so therefore, I will say you're probably going to find this conversation actually super insightful. Very interesting. Kate, I'm wondering before we dive in, if you can give everyone a little bit of a story and background as to uh, why this particular arena of women's health is something that you are so passionate about discussing. Yeah, absolutely. So when I got into functional medicine, at first I was just looking at everything and every system as a whole, but over time I I noticed that there were a lot of 
hormonal patterns that were coming up and also within myself too, because I was on birth control pills for for many years to treat acne, hormonal acne. And um, coming off, I didn't know how my body was going to react and respond. And I was was actually surprised because I had done a lot of the work working on my gut and making sure I had the right nutrients, but my, my estrogens were a mess. And I started seeing a lot of the same common patterns in a lot of women and, and, and through testing and, and just really learning more about uh, what estrogen dominance is and how to look at the different patterns and help women to, to really balance out their hormones. And by doing so, it was a game changer. Like it really helped me to feel better and help women to feel better. Cause I also realized like the reason why women are suffering every month with PMS symptoms is because of the hormonal imbalance, but it, it doesn't get addressed. And, and of course in conventional medicine, it's, it's treated with birth control. And, and that's definitely not the answer because there's, there's more to it. And, and it's not looking at the why, why is the hormonal imbalance occurring in the first place? So yeah, yeah, it's it's such a I, I love this perspective. We're going to talk about why we're going to talk about this idea of estrogen dominance. And I just want to share with people because I think that, you know, coming from the, the traditional medical system, hormones are tested and we're told everything's within the normal range because they look at the range for progesterone and they look at the range for estrogen and they look at the range for like LH or whatever else they're, they're measuring and the and and so in each of these instances, these hormones may be in a normal range. Obviously, Kate, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to like everybody else. The challenge for us as clinicians who look at the body functionally is that we're like, okay, great. Like there's estrogen in your body, there's progesterone in your body. Super, you're not dying, right? We're not in a full-blown pathology state. But when we're moving into the realm of, okay, how do we actually get these hormones to dance together in a manner that makes people feel well? The next thing we have to look at, like the, the more, the next level, the more advanced version of looking at these tests is what is the ratio of these hormones? Because while they might all be in the same realm and they might all be in the normal range, now we actually, what happens is if those ratios are messed up, then we run into problems. And I, so my point here, because Kate's the expert on this, I'm not trying to talk around that. My point is, is I really just want people to walk into this conversation understanding that there is a time and place to talk about blatant pathology happening in your body. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about like, how do you actually make your hormones feel awesome? And how do you let it, you know, speak to brain power and like decreasing cramping and like all of these things. So I want to set up all of these questions from that perspective. And so with that said, Kate, can you talk about what we're referring to when we say estrogen dominance? Yes, absolutely. And, and just as you had mentioned, the ratio. So basically, estrogen dominance, when we're looking at the ratio of estrogen and progesterone, uh, as you mentioned, there should be that healthy, healthy balance, healthy dance with them. But uh, the problem becomes when there's an imbalance in those two hormones and estrogen becomes the dominating hormones, hence the term estrogen dominance. And, um, and it's not to say that estrogen is not a bad hormone. Um, 
it or it, it, it is a bad hormone because it is we, we definitely need estrogen in our body. It's beneficial for uh, protection of our brain and helping with memory. It supports strong, healthy bones. You know, it's good for our cardiovascular system and gives us our curve. So there's so many benefits to to estrogen. But the problem becomes when it just becomes dominating in, uh, in ratio to progesterone. Uh, so that's really what we're talking about in, in terms of, of estrogen dominance. And so if we take this pattern of dominant estrogen and then start to align it with some conditions or labels that people might be familiar with, what are we talking about there? Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of disorders and conditions associated with estrogen dominance that women aren't aware of, such as endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS even, because a lot of women, when we think PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, is associated with high androgens like testosterone and DHEA, but there's also high estrogen uh, in addition to that. Also women that are having uterine fibroids or fibrocystic breasts, um, even women with breast cancer, they typically tend to have a lot of estrogen in their systems. So there are a lot of estrogen dominant conditions, but they're not aware because we, we put these labels on them and they're treat, treated a certain way. And a lot of them are treated with birth control uh, because the, the being is that it suppresses the hormones. So it suppresses your body's production of progesterone, of progesterone, um, which tends really may help, but it's actually not getting to the root um, and really assessing, assessing those high estrogens. Kate's so polite. I'm just going to say when you are prescribed a birth control pill to manage and balance out your hormones, what we're doing is we're throwing a gigantic black cloth over the elephant in the room. And we're like, see, the stage is perfect. We are good to go. And I share that personally as someone who I went into naturopathic medicine because I had I had endometriosis. I had like multiple surgeries for this. And literally the only reason I became a naturopathic doctor is because I finally was like, listen, you guys are throwing so many. And at first I was like, sure, I'll take the birth control pill. Sure. I'll take it continuously. Sure. I'll do like, and then finally when they said, okay, we have this medication and it will basically induce menopause and you're 17. I was like, I'm sorry, but every ounce of my core is now like, is this, is this like literally the best we've got is how do we just throw a heavier and heavier cloth over top of what's going on? Like, is no one interested in why it happens? They're like, we don't know. We don't, we don't know because we don't, it's not looked at. They're not looking at those patterns. They're looking at the, do you have it? Do you not have estrogen? We'll go in and we'll look for physical damage. And so this isn't, I'm now ranting. This isn't a, a, a functional medicine versus conventional medicine. It's just we have different tools. And so, Kate, I'm curious about the tools that you are using, because even within the realm of estrogen dominance, there's actually there's different types of estrogen yeah. that don't all behave the same way. So when you're investigating estrogen dominance, like where does that start for you in terms of being able to say to someone, this is the pattern we're seeing? How do you know that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I have seen different patterns with estrogen dominance. Um, a lot of practitioners, they just say, oh, you might have estrogen dominance and treat it all the same. But uh, the best treatment is really looking into those different patterns. And in New York, we do have different estrogens. We have three different estrogens. Um, technically, there's a fourth, but the fourth is really produced by the fetus and during pregnancy. Uh, but the first one is called estrone or E1. And then the second is uh, estradiol E2. And then the third one is estriol E3. 
Estriol too is produced um, in primarily in pregnancy, but we do have a little bit that can be detected. Uh, but it's important because uh, the different estrogens, especially estrone, can go on to produce different metabolites in the body. So I like to do blood and urine testing to be able to assess these different types of estrogens and also looking at progesterone as well. And it's really important that the when we're looking into the hormones is to check it during a specific time of the cycle as well. Because if you're going to your regular doctor and they're just doing blood work, are they asking, you know, when was your last period? Let's look at it on a specific day of your cycle. No, they're probably like, okay, here's blood work, go get it done. And then when they check, they're like, yeah, everything's normal, but they're not looking at the right time of the cycle, which is right. in your, your luteal phase. Um, and we can talk more about this too, but, uh, but the progest levels of progesterone tend to peak during days 19 to 22 of a regular 28 day cycle. Not, not everyone has a 28 day cycle, but it's important to know what each woman's cycle, the total length looks that, uh, looks like, and then to be able to do the testing. So then we can start to see those patterns because progesterone should be reaching its peak estrogen shouldn't be as high. And so by looking at those two levels and then also the different metabolites of, of estrogen can help me determine, uh, is there one, is there estrogen dominance? And then two, how well is the body metabolizing estrogen? Cause that's another important piece too, um, that it, a lot of practitioners, um, and, and, and people in general just don't aren't aware of like the metabolism of estrogen is one of like the main causes that contributes to estrogen dominance. Totally. And estrogen, like I used to say to my patients, estrogen is the lawn fertilizer yeah. and progesterone is the lawnmower. Right. And if you have way too much fertilizer and not enough lawnmower, you like you, you run into difficulty, but the metabolites then are like the breakdown products of the lawn fertilizer that you use. So you've got to use like a really good organic lawn fertilizer. Otherwise you're actually going to create all this toxicity in the, in the soil or in the runoff or in all of these pieces. Um, and so, you know, I want to, I want to back up again around this idea of, of your cycle, Kate, because you were talking about, you know, follicular phase and luteal phase. Can you just take people through like yeah. physiology 101, <laughs> what's going on? If, let's say, let's just assume everyone has a 28 day cycle, which I know you all don't, <laughs> but let's for this academic, this academic exercise is brought to you by um, <laughs> Kate. Can you just share with people like what that, what that looks like? What, like, what are the key players in that, in that normal cycle? And then we're going to talk about the manifestations when it runs awry. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so important. And, and most women aren't aware that we, we actually have four different phases of the cycle. Two of those phasal, phases, uh, follicular and luteal phase is what breaks up the cycle into two halves. And then you also have the menstrual phase. And the menstrual phase is obviously when we start our period. But a lot of, a lot of women will ask me, well, does my period start the cycle or is it at the end of the cycle? So right. it's really important that we do address, you know, the different phases and educate women because the menstrual phase is the start of the cycle. So day one of your period is day one of the cycle. And, um, and a lot of, and another point I want to make too, is that a lot of women use cycle and period interchangeably, but period is actually the amount of time that you bleed. Cycle is the total time from one period to the next. So when you say cycle, I'm talking about that total length of time. So when you start your period day one of your cycle, 
that is also the start of the follicular phase. And of a, an average 28-day cycle, the follicular phase is usually 14 days long. And then right before or actually I should say right at the end of the follicular phase, right before the luteal phase begins is ovulation. So that will be the, the fourth phase. So you have menstrual phase, follicular phase, ovulation, and then the the, the fourth phase will be then uh, the luteal phase. So luteal phase then is the last half, which is about 14 days as well of the menstrual cycle. Okay, now that we've established I, I even hesitate to use the word normal, but yeah. our benchmark cycle, we'll call it a benchmark cycle. Yeah. When someone is experiencing estrogen dominance, what kind of changes might they be seeing symptomatically in terms of different signs in their own body to suggest that, that estrogen may be a contributor to what's going on? Yes, absolutely. So I always, I always say these are the five telltale signs of estrogen dominance. So the first one is irregular periods. So because estrogens are going to contribute to that imbalance with progesterone, so it's going to knock off progesterone a little bit. And instead of telling your body, okay, let's get ready to increase progesterone, get your body ready for pregnancy, if implantation doesn't happen, then that resets the cycle all over again. So if you have higher levels of estrogen in the body, you're going to have irregular periods. They're not going to be coming at the same time every month, or they might be even extended. So instead of 28, 30 days, you have a 35 or a 40 day cycle, or even a 60 day cycle. So that's usually the first sign is just these irregular uh, periods. The next sign is heavy bleeding because estrogen start uh, is, is, is important for the, the, to thicken up the lining of the uterus. So as you go from the menstrual phase into the follicular phase, estrogen starts to rise in the body. And when it starts to rise, that's when the endometrium, which is the inner lining of the uterus, starts to thicken because it's preparing, like it says, it's preparing the lawn. <laughs> it's the fertilizer to prepare the lawn, prepare the uterus for pregnancy. And um, when there's a lot of estrogen in the body, uh, women will have a thicker endometrial lining than normal. So obviously when they go to have their period, they're bleeding a lot more and there's a lot of cramps or not cramps, but a lot of clots. And uh, the third sign is PMS symptoms. So, you know, a lot of that severe uh, menstrual cramping, mood swings, headaches, uh, breast tenderness, those are all definitely a sign of estrogen dominance. Uh, the fourth sign again is breast tenderness. And I like to to quantify that by itself, just because a lot of women, you know, going back to the different conditions with fibrocystic breast disease and, and dense breasts, um, what happens is estro excess estrogen in the body causes that tissue to swell. And that's why women experience that breast tenderness right that week before, you know, they start their period, uh, because it's just out of balance with progesterone. And also women will will develop cysts because of those excess estrogens. So that would be the fourth sign. And then the fifth sign is um, weight gain, especially in the butt, hips, and thighs. So women, when we have different weight distributions, can really pinpoint to what's going on in the body. So if you're primarily gaining weight in your butt, hips, and thighs, I think that out of all the signs is like the the most telltale sign of estrogen dominance. Um, uh, so those are the, the main symptoms, but women can also have other symptoms, including acne, um, bloating, brain fog. So, you know, at the beginning, you're like, I don't remember what episode we're on <laughs> or what we're, you know, or which podcast we're on. So brain fog, brain fog is definitely one of those symptoms. Um, and the bloating, uh, 
And uh, those are like the main main symptoms. So why why does this happen? Like what why and and frankly, I think as clinicians, we're starting to see more and more patterns related to estrogen dominance. Partly, we're looking at it and understand more about it. But what what is contributing to these perturbations in terms of a normal cycle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do believe I had mentioned estrogen metabolism. So a lot of things are affecting that, um, such as gut health. A lot of us have issues with our gut. I've yet to see one person come to me with like a really good, healthy gut. <laughs> um, cause that, uh, there are three different phases of estrogen metabolism. So the first two phases are, is phase one and phase two, and that goes through the liver. Phase three is through the intestines. And if we are not having regular bowel movements and a healthy gut, what happens is uh, the estrogens that are supposed to be inactive actually sometimes turn back into an active form and get recirculated back into the body. So that contributes to estrogen dominance. So, uh, so definitely poor gut health and also just poor estrogen metabolism through the liver. Uh, so phase one, there are certain nutrients that really help support that, like cruciferous vegetables and, and fiber and flax seeds. Um, and then phase two, too, is really supported with the vitamins like B12 and, and folate. So if you're deficient in certain nutrients, that can impact the, the metabolism of estrogens through the body. Um, another thing is stress. Like most of us <laughs> just have stress. Sorry, what's like, that? Stress? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Good thing I don't have that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that is probably like the biggest impact is that too impacts gut health too. But yeah, uh, we, we weren't taught how to manage stress. Like everybody has stress, whether it's physical, emotional, chemical, you know, there's different forms of stress in the body. And, and we were never taught how to, to manage the stress. So I think that's also something that, that, that's my mission. And I'm sure a lot of other practitioners mission is just to really help people like learn how to manage the stress without pills, because you go to the doctor and the first thing they want to do is prescribe a pill. And so say, Hey, why don't you try some yoga or some deep breathing and meditation to calm your body down, or maybe, you know, take a little load off your plate. So stress is definitely one of the, those big factors that, that contribute and also toxins, I mean, we're yeah. living in such a toxic world with more chemicals now more than ever. And uh, it's definitely contributing because that too is impacting estrogen metabolism. And, and there's also chemicals called xenoestrogens. So xenoestrogens are these foreign compounds that mimic estrogen. And of course, when they're inside the body, they're attaching to the same receptors as uh, same estrogen receptors as estrogen. So now the body thinks there's even more estrogen in the body. And so if you already have high levels and now you have all these toxins, it's definitely contributing to estrogen dominance. Yeah. We are an entire ecosystem. Like we see this happen to the swamp and we see this, like we, we watch this literally happen in nature, how, how an ecosystem is disturbed. And we we actually are also an ecosystem. So it shouldn't, this shouldn't be a leap for anyone to actually go, oh, wait a second, what we do to our environment internally, externally is going to impact what's happening uh, in terms of our, of our health. So Kate, when you were working with someone and, and you've determined that there's some element of uh, estrogen dominance, what does the approach look like with respect to remediation of the environment? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the first is to, to work on food and nutrition and really supporting the gut health. So helping them find what are the right foods for their body um, and looking into gut health and do gut testing uh, so that way we're optimizing, optimizing, you know, the function of the bowels and and, um, you know, making sure everything is working efficiently through that, but also supporting the estrogen metabolism too, making sure they have the right nutrients for phase one and phase two, uh, managing the stress having them go through all the products that they're using and starting to swap out. Um, you know, I, I recommend like environmental working group also think dirty app. Those are two great resources and platforms to look up your products that you're using in your home on your skin, your body, so that we can start swapping things out just to reduce the toxic burden. Um, and those are like the big things, but I also like, to educate women on on their cycle and just how they can use their their menstrual cycle as as a superpower as well. Um, so we can definitely talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I want to. I do want to get into that. I want, and I'll get it right after asking this, which is, what about those women with? We talked about our benchmark cycle. Yeah. What about those women who they're like, this is great, but I haven't had a I haven't had a period for a while because I have PCOS or I'm or I'm yeah. postmenopausal and I'm not menstruating consistently or at all. Is estrogen dominance still something that one is an issue for these populations? And two, if it is, how are we assessing it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do believe that um, it, estrogen dominance is playing a role, especially in women with, with PCOS. And and so the important thing is to, to do the testing and see where is that support needed. I also recommend something called seed cycling. And seed cycling is basically using seeds. So the first, um, you want to sync that up with, with uh the, the phases of the, the cycle. So the first phase, the follicular phase, you are going to grind up one tablespoon of flax and one tablespoon of pumpkin seeds. And even though you don't have a regular cycle, I, I recommend women to, to do it as if they had a regular 28 day cycle. And so for the first 14 days, they'll grind up these seeds and consume them every day, whether they throw it into a shake or make little balls or throw it on a salad. There's many, many different ways and recipes that they can do that. And then uh, after 14 days on day 15, they swap over and then they grind sunflower and and, uh, sesame seeds. And they do that for the next 14 days. And if women do that pretty consistently, they'll actually start to see their cycles too improve. And another way too, is to follow it's, it's, it may sound a little crazy and woo sometimes to people, but following the moon cycle, because on average, the moon does cycle every 29 days. So if we can, if women are irregular and match with the cycle of the moon, most women tend to start their period with the new moon. So if you can see, look to see when is the new moon happening on the calendar, you can do Google search um, or download like a moon cycle app, you can see when is that new moon starting. And then that's when I recommend starting the seed cycle, especially if you're having, you know, a period like every 60 days, you don't want to wait uh, 60 days. You can go ahead and start with the next new moon, do that seed cycling. And that can actually really help to uh, regulate and restart that cycle. But also just really, you know, doing more testing, looking, you know, supporting gut health, the right nutrients, supporting estrogen metabolism will also make a huge difference as well. I remember the first time I heard this idea that women cycle with the moon and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) And then, um, I was like, where's the RCT study that looks at this? Of course, no one's going to study that. Of course they're not. And then I remember one day just like, I don't know, getting my period and looking up and I was like, Oh, be darned. It's a new moon. And now like 
now it's, it's, it's like literally, it's just, it's actually kind of crazy and so mm-hmm. fascinating. And there's rhythms, there's just rhythms to nature. And, you know, the one thing I will say to people who are like seeds, the moon, if you are resistant to that, cool, hang out in a state of resistance. There's so many other things you can do. And if you want to lean into that, lean into it. Cause I promise you, you're going to see really cool, really cool results. I'm always like, I just, I like lean into what resonates um, resonates with you. And um, yeah, I've been talking about both of those two elements for, for years. It's amazing. Seed cycling also just, it creates intentionality around your cycle. Like yeah. it connects you to your body. So there's, there's a rhythm and ritual to, to shifting up your, your food as you're moving through your cycle and being able to pay more attention to how you're feeling and having this awareness, I think is this massive superpower, which I know you were alluding to, uh, Kate, can you speak to this a little bit, this idea of like leveraging your cycle in terms of like business or performance or, or other things? Cause this, this is why I think, you know, attending to hormones and looking at the side of your health, like this is the benefit of it. And you won't get it if you're covering it all up with the birth control pill. Oh, uh, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The birth control really, really disrupts our, our rhythms, but yeah, there, there's just something beautiful about, you know, all the natural rhythms in, in our body. I mean, if you think we all have a 24 hour circadian rhythm and women have the, the, advantage of having a, a monthly hormonal rhythm and we can really use that to our advantage advantage especially when you know we are high performance uh women go-getters you know whether we have a business or you know we're a full-time mom whatever we're doing uh we can really use that to just leverage to really show up fully for ourselves and for our loved ones for our business and, and every area of our of our life um and so once, especially once we can get the hormonal piece under control, uh, really incorporating the, the menstrual cycle and using that as your superpower is going to be a game changer for you. Because I know in, in a lot of women, you know, right now, especially if they're suffering, they're probably seeing their menstrual cycle as like a curse, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, especially once you work on those hormonal imbalances, get yourself feeling better, then you can actually turn that around and use it as your superpower. And so what I usually like to to recommend to women, once we can get those hormones balanced, you feeling better, uh, the next step to using the cycle as a superpower is to to work with it. And so the first week, whenever women have their, you know, the menstrual phase, when they have their, their period, they're they're also going to experience a little bit lower energy levels. And this is also another important thing, why you want to really tune into your body with each phase, because when your energy levels are lower, you're less likely to want to go and do a presentation uh, or, or, you know, like really crank it out and and get things done. Um, And being mindful of your body can really help you to just it's, it's actually, you know, a good reminder to just like slow down, especially when your energy levels are low. And so during this time, I, I say week one is like your strategize uh, week where you really want to just slow down just a little bit, spend this time just getting clarity on the vision and goals that you want to achieve. Um, if you have a business, you can meet with your team and just like really reflect on the past month, like what worked, what didn't. Um, it's also the best time to delegate some tasks, tasks that require a lot of energy, a lot of brain power. Uh, you definitely want to delegate those tasks out. Um, also, this is the best time to just really nourish your body, nourish your body with whole foods and, uh, 
take some time for self-care because I know a lot of times when we go, 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 uh, we forget about self-care, but we can't really take care of others until we take care of ourselves. You know, it's like that, the plane analogy, you know, when you're on the plane and the oxygen mask comes down, you put the mask on yourself, not the the person next to you. So you really want to take, you know, advantage of this time, the week one, the menstrual phase. So just slow down just a little bit incorporate some self-care and and it doesn't have to be for a full day if you can take a full day off awesome but if not even if it's just an hour to go get a massage or or just to go take a bubble bath or just get away take a walk in nature do something that's uh nourishing that's calming your body uh because you're when you're recharging during this time it actually sets you up for success for the rest of the month and then each each phase from then on is going to be even better and better so um, the, the common mistake women will do is they power through their period. And then when they do that, especially month after month, it leads to burnout. And we see that commonly, especially in women that are high performers and entrepreneurs. So um, really just being in tune with their body and when their their energy levels drop during the menstrual phase, um, just being mindful of that. And then as you go into week two, this is what I call the creative phase, um, which is your, your late follicular phase. And um, the your energy you'll notice starts to pick up a little bit and you'll start to gain a little bit more momentum and have a little bit more focus. So during this time, you want to get, you want to have fun. You want to start to get a little bit playful. Um, and, and, and really just, you know, whatever you're, you were envisioning and your goals were that you create from menstrual, menstrual phase, you want to start creating. So your superpower during this phase is going to be laser focus and you you also want to be careful though, because it's like when your energy starts picking up, you're going to want to like do it all at one time, but you got to just ease back into it and start incorporating one project at a time um, and being mindful of your energy. You can start to tackle some of those challenging tasks again, um, but this is also a great time to just to, to take risks, you know, experiment with new stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, you definitely don't want to tackle everything all at once because uh, that can cause you to burn out sooner. Uh, and then you'll, as you go into the third week, um, which is ovulation, I call this the execute phase because this is where you're going to feel your energy at its peak. It's the highest. And so during this time, uh, you'll find that multitasking is a lot easier, so you can accomplish a lot more things. You also want to use this time to schedule your meetings, presentations, to network and connect with people uh, because your energy is at its highest. But also women, too, when they have a fluctuation of their hormones, they tend to uh, feel more confident during this time. So that's why it's important. You know, don't don't schedule your meetings during, during your period when your energy is the lowest and you don't feel your best. Do it around your ovulation time. And then uh, what you don't want to do, though, is just say yes to everything, because sometimes there'll be a lot of opportunities that present themselves. So you don't want to say yes to everything uh, and uh, um, and get caught up in, in other people's agendas. And then the next and then the next and last phase, you know, as you move from the ovulation phase into your luteal phase. I call it the finalized phase because um, this is when your energy starts to slow down a little bit. Um, you'll also notice that your tolerance is, is at a lower threshold. Um, you know, and, and this is the time that you want to just like really start uh, finalizing things. So any projects that you have yet to complete, you want to start finalizing those things. Um, the superpower during this phase is insight. Um, so just being mindful, you know, learning things after the past you know, a couple of weeks. Uh, also, 
learning to say no. So it's like during the ovulation phase, you want to say yes to everything, but you know, during the, uh, the luteal phase, the last phase, just, just saying no, you know, being more mindful of yourself, your energy, um, and then focus on tasks, you know, that don't require as much brain power again, you know? Um, so you definitely want to, uh, edit your work, you know, like I said, finalize projects, catch up on admin stuff. Um, and then one thing you don't want to do is, is work on multiple, multiple tasks, you know, you save that for the ovulation phase when you have a lot of energy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, don't do, do, don't do multiple things. Don't do, uh, or don't create like a to-do list of all the things that you have to do, you know? Um, uh, so definitely be being mindful of that. So, you know, this is awesome, we, Kate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when we are like, you know, like I said, the main thing is like being mindful of your energy throughout these phases. Cause then by doing that, you can really tap into like, what can, what is the best thing to do with each phase? So I can really show up fully for myself, for my business. Yeah. It's about leveraging these pieces. Like we can't shut down our life cause we're on our period, but mm-hmm. we can be aware for like struggling or like you look at your schedule and you're like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. Like just move it if you need to move it. But it, I mean, also when you're working towards optimal health, if you've got to lean in and do those calls, do those calls, that's the benefit of taking responsibility for your health because it's available to you when you when you need it. I love this topic. I love looking at how we can leverage our body as a superpower. And I feel like this is really a, a beautiful place to transition the interview. I've got a component of what we talk about and I call it our KPIs, our key performance indicators. We've got them in our life. We've got them in our business. And so my first rapid question for you, Kate, is this. What is your most recommended book or idea to comp- contemplate that you've come across so far this year? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I've been reading a lot of a lot of books, especially on on mindset. And um, yeah, I love the the book uh, "As a Man Thinketh" by James Allen, and he just really talks about the mindset and. Um, we have the power to create health and disorder in the body. And that, that's something I didn't really tap into too, but uh, being mindful of our thoughts can really affect like the quality of our life and, and how our cells respond. We can create health or we can create disorder in the body. So to me, that was just like the, the big takeaway, not only for myself, but something that I really wanted clients to be aware of. Cause I'm like, I can focus on the body all day, but we also want to make sure that we're taking care of the mind. Love that. What is your favorite health hack? Mm, favorite health hack? Sleep. <laughs> definitely getting good quality of sleep because it's funny, funny story. I, um, ever since I was a child, I always prioritize my sleep. So, you know, my, my mom always tells a story how when my grandmother was taking care of us one night, we were playing cards. And once I realized it was my bedtime, I threw the cards down. I was like, all right, I'm going to bed. (laughs) So I believe like sleep if we can optimize, maximize our sleep, we're going to feel so much better. And it's yeah. even studies have proven like it, it reduces chronic disorders. It reduces, you know, upper respiratory infections. It, it actually helps with our hormones. I mean, it, it optimizes every area of our life. So out of all the lifestyle factors, I would say optimizing your sleep is probably the best health hack. And you not only want to get like seven, eight hours of sleep, make sure it's, it's good quality sleep. 
Yeah, I I couldn't actually agree more. It's why I love my little aura ring. Yes, here. yes, I have. So that you know too. if you're getting a quality sleep because sometimes yeah. you don't know. Sometimes you don't know. Exactly. How would you how would you define your purpose? Yeah, my my purpose is is to really impact as many women as I can. Like I really want to empower and inspire them and educate them about their body and their hormones and help them to realize that they have the power. They have the power to take their health back. They have the power to use their menstrual cycle as their superpower to really show up for themselves. And and by doing that and, and taking care of themselves, they can in turn show up for others and make impact in others' lives as well. I love it. Last question for you, Kate. Entrepreneurism, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? Oh, we definitely learn. <laughs> we definitely learn. I know I definitely was not born with the mindset of being an entrepreneur. Uh, but the beauty is that everyone has the opportunity to be to be one. Um, but it's just tapping into the mindset because with when you don't have the mind in the right place, it's definitely a lot harder to become an entrepreneur for sure. So fantastic. I am glad you were living your purpose. I'm glad you are an entrepreneur, Kate. Kate Vasquez, it's been a pleasure having this conversation with you. Where can we send people to learn more about the amazing work that you are doing related to estrogen dominance? Yeah, absolutely. So everyone can find me on my website at www.yourradianthealth.com. I also created a uh, online course called the Estrogen Reset. So you can find that on the website. And so for those that just want to learn a little bit more, dive in a little bit deeper, um, it, it's very quick. It's eight, eight modules. The videos are seven to 15 minutes because I know we all have short attention spans. So you can do one video per day and get it done in a week. Um, at the end of each module, there are steps that everyone can take to start implementing into their life. And I've had amazing feedback so far. Everything's really easy to follow along, really easy to implement. And that way they can start taking steps to help really balance their hormones naturally. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Kate Vasquez underscore PA. I'm there as well. Just always providing information. And I'm also uh, coming out with a book. It's called Estrogen's a Bitch. And this is going to dive even more deeper into what is estrogen dominance, all the different conditions, because there's just so much more than just the, the conditions we talked about. Um, there's other things like thyroid and histamines and other things that are playing a role in estrogen dominance. So I'm really diving deeper into that as well. So, so definitely be on the lookout for that um, to learn more. Fantastic. Well, we will link everybody up in our show notes. You can grab the show notes at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast, um, including how you can get your hands on Kate's book, which comes out this week called Estrogen's a Bitch. Kate, it has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. You know, there's so much to learn about our bodies and our health and how we can harness it. And frankly, so much of the conversation related to health and biohacking and productivity and optimization has actually been written on a textbook that is based on men. I'm so happy to be part. I love men. I love them. But I'm so happy to be part of a conversation and platform where we can start to be looking at, at performance and health optimization, but starting in the female 
form so that we have a balanced perspective so that we are able to leverage and harness the things about our bodies that are unique so that we can contribute in the world in our own way, harnessing our own powers. And so I really want to thank Kate for bringing all of these pieces to light. Again, if you want to be able to access any of the awesome resources uh, that Kate's made available to our team, like always, you can find those by heading over to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast, where you're able to access all of the show notes and links for our previous episodes. Head on over once you're done doing that to my Instagram. We've got an awesome related poll happening for you today. We will keep the conversation going. I will be with you again next week. Like always, I'm Megan Walker, wishing you an impactful week ahead. 